Welcome to Quick Trip. How can I help you? Why don't you ask him? It's my turn to bring snacks for our class bake sale. And? I just told Mama about it five minutes ago. No problem. We've got fresh donuts. Oh, thank you. Next thing he's going to tell me it's our turn to bring the drinks to soccer practice. <laughs> Steven? It's our turn to bring drinks to soccer practice. We've got Gatorade, Powerade, water, you name it. Thank this nice gentleman for saving your life. Any reason's a good reason for Quick Trip. QT. More than a gas station. Radio Mystery Theater presents... E.G. Marshall. They say the grass is always greener in your neighbor's yard. If that's what they say, then they're saying it wrong. The accurate quote is, the grass always looks greener, which is a different story, no? The basic truth is that on closer examination, it's the same grass, the same weeds, the same burrs, the same nettles, and the same rule that applies to your neighbor's grass also holds true for his house, his job, and even his wife. But what can I do for you? Make me young again. Make you young? But I am not a medicine man. I am a doctor. Take 25 years off my life. It can't be done. I have $20 million. That is still beside the point. Now look. I should be able to get something for my money. drama, Journey to Jerusalem, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Vincent Gardenia. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Can you find it in your heart to feel sorry for a man who has ten million dollars? Or is it fifteen or... 20. Well, what does it matter? It's that first million that melts the ice. From there on up, it's smooth sailing. Elwood Joris is our unhappy millionaire. Elwood is in his 50s, and all the privileges and prerogatives of wealth are at his command, and yet he is unhappy. How simple it would be to feel impatience for Elwood Joris, but how unkind. Let us listen to Elwood himself on the subject in his psychiatrist's office. People refuse to believe me. Do you believe me, doctor? I believe you, Mr. Jorris. People don't take me seriously. They see me as a comic figure. I don't see you as a comic figure. Do you see me as a tragic figure? I have yet to make a diagnosis. But isn't it obvious? I am a tragic figure. Mr. Joyce, why do you see yourself as a tragic figure? Because I'm... I'm a member of a minority group. Really? Yes. And like all minorities, there are people who hate us and fear us. And what minority group is this? I'm a member of the rich. The rich? Yes. Is there any group more misunderstood than the rich? Even your prejudice. I can tell. By your attitude. That, that tone in your voice. 
I know what you're thinking. Do you? Oh, don't give me that do you. I didn't come here to be patronized. Who do you think you're talking to? I'm Elwood Joris, the sole owner of the Joris Corporation. What are you, anyhow? You sit there and make $50 an hour and laugh up your sleeve? You miserable quack. Do you feel better? What do you mean, do I feel better? Do you need these outbursts to relieve the tension? I've been cheated. Cheated? How? It's a lie. This whole thing. The bill of goods. Early to bed, early to rise. Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Wealthy? Okay. But healthy, wise, and happy? That's a lie. I'm not happy. And what do you think you need to make you happy? I don't have a family. Do you want one? Yes. Well, you're still a relatively young man. It isn't too late to marry. It is. How can you say that? Millions of women would be eager to marry Elwood Joris. Sure. Millions of women would be eager to marry Elwood Joris, the millionaire. But who would want to marry me? But you are Elwood Joris. Would anyone want to marry me if I didn't have a dime? I should have the most beautiful woman in the world. Or the smartest. Or the most talented. I could have movie stars, society girls, anybody. I agree. And with such a selection available. But I would never know if the girl wanted me or my money. I have no friends either. I never had any friends. I find that hard to believe. Why? You know as well as I do, maybe better, that the one thing you have to be able to give a friend is time. I never had time for anything or anybody. I had to work. All the time? Yes. You see, Doctor, most people were born. I wasn't. You weren't born? No. I was found. Big difference. The average person's got a mother, father. Surely you did, too. If you never knew who they were, then they don't exist. Do they? If they never raised you, never gave you anything, never protected you, then you never had them. Right? Continue. I was found on the steps of a police station. A day-old baby wrapped in a blanket. My name is Elwood Joris. You know why? Because the police station was on the corner of Elwood Avenue and Joris Place. You must admit you've come a long way. The orphanages and the foster homes, they begrudged every bite of food, every stitch of clothes. You had a hard life, but you did overcome. I never wanted to be cold or hungry again. So I worked, day and night. I worked while other people slept or rested or having a good time. You have enough money, why don't you stop? I don't know how to talk to people. Oh, I, I can in the office. I know how to order people. I'm a fireball. But talk? I can't talk. Why not? Because I don't have anything to talk about. I mean, I can tell you about filters. All kinds of filters. But, Mr. Jones, there are things that just come naturally. The only thing that comes natural to me are filters. Books? I never read any. I never had time. Sports? I was never interested. If your money makes you so miserable, why don't you get rid of it? Then I'd be poor and miserable. Doctor, I don't know what I expected from you, but it doesn't look as if you're going to help me. Nobody can. 
I looked it up. And that's one of the things it's called. It's something that just gets to you. And it gets to a lot of people. Maybe that's what the music they call the blues is all about. I wouldn't know. Melancholia. A kind of sadness. More than sadness. Regret. And then something happened. Just out of nowhere. Yes? It's Jory. And maybe wants to see you. Who is she? A madam Solana. Does she have an appointment? Oh, no, sir. Then I can't see her. She says you must see her. What's it about? Just a moment, sir. I'll ask her. Miss Haskins. Miss Haskins, are you there? nonsense is this? Well, sir, she says... Never mind what she says. Listen to what I say. I was under the impression that I had a private secretary who knew how to protect me against kooks and pranks. But if I don't... I'm sorry, Mr. George, but she got into the building somehow. Have one of the guards throw her out and let that be the end of her. But it wasn't the end of her. Nowhere near. For the next couple of days, when I least expected it, my private line would ring. Yes? Mr. Joris, that woman again... Didn't I tell you... I know, but she keeps pestering me until I just have to... But she shouldn't be in position to pester anybody. Tell Cardigan to come up here on the double. Cardigan, you're head of plant security. Your job is to see that no unauthorized visitor gets past the main lobby. And none of them do, sir. None. About a week ago, some woman was able to get to my secretary's desk. I remember that, Mr. Joris. I was called. I had her removed from the premises. She was wearing a kind of funny colored outfit. She keeps coming back every day. I know. You know? We try. But she keeps slipping by us somehow. Well, she's at the desk now. Throw her out and keep her out. You understand? Leave it to me, sir. I thought that was the end of it. Because for the next few days, she didn't show up. But then, at the beginning of the week, it was just after lunch, my secretary, Miss Haskin, came into my office. Now, before I tell you what Miss Haskin said, I better tell you what Miss Haskin is. She's about 40, but looks 60. Okay, maybe 50. She wears glasses, long-sleeved, high-neck dresses, and never speaks unless she's spoken to. Business is very serious and very sober. And I only hire serious and sober people. So, you can imagine where I was when Miss Haskins said... Oh, Mr. Jerry. What's wrong, Miss Haskins? Oh, Mr. Jerry. You must be sick. Let, let me call a nurse. No, no. No, she's here. Madam Salamis is here. This breaks it. I'll get the city police. We'll have her arrested for trespassing. Please see her. I beg you. Miss Atkins, what are you doing? I'm on my knees to you, Mr. Jones. Please. Please see this woman. Get up this moment. Not till you promise you'll see her. Please. Oh, please don't go 
Oh, in my chest, my left chest. Will you please control yourself and try to make some sense? I met him just two weeks ago. Met whom? You see, I'd given up all hope. I was standing on the corner waiting for the bus. It was a rainy day. Everyone's gone crazy around here. There was a puddle. He, I mean his car, the wheels splashed mud all over me. And he stopped, got out, and insisted on paying for cleaning. What has all this got to do with the woman outside? Gentlemen, I, I know he will ask me. Now, 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 will you sit down and I'll get a doctor. Oh, please see her. Just for my sake. In 20 years, I've never asked a favor. You've got to explain to me why. She looked at me, Madame Solana. Her eyes are black as coal. When they burn, they are fiery red. And she said, you will tell Mr. Joris he must see me, or I will make sure that a certain man will never call on you again. How did she know? A shiver ran through me. Please. Oh, for crying out loud. All right. Send her in. She walked into the office. Madame Solanus. And something seemed to come in with her. An air. A feeling. A, I don't know what to call it, but... It was something. She wore a long dress with all colors of the rainbow. She had black hair that fell across her shoulders. And the eyes. Haskin was right about the eyes. Black eyes that bore right through you. And when she spoke, you listened. You are the Mr. Elwood Joyce? Yes. What can I do for you? You can give me justice. Justice? If you need justice, you can only get in a court of law. What can I... Court, government, these are all for fools. You and I, we are people of power. We can give each other justice. But what is this justice you want from me? Simple justice. Or else... That's strange. Before I entered this room, I would have said, Justice or I shall destroy you. But now that I look into your eyes, I say justice. Or I shall allow you to destroy yourself. looking, weird-sounding woman says, give me justice or I shall let you destroy yourself. Should you call the police and have her thrown out? But you've been doing that for the past week and somehow she always comes back. I shall also come back with Act Two. Today we're giving you a classic story because it's concerned with the problems of the rich. Years ago, practically all of literature dealt with the high and the mighty. Shakespeare's plays, for example, are about the deaths of kings and nobles, for the most part. Isn't it comforting to consider that even a millionaire has the same problems we do? And as for Mr. Elwood Joris, he has even more. Who are you to threaten me with destruction? I consented to see you only because you scared my secretary out of her wits. You could put it another way. You could say I revealed what her future might be. Put it any way you like, but get to the point. Ah, yes, the point. The sharp, piercing point. So, you are the Mr. Elwood Joyce. 
I think we established that. You own a building. A building of wood and stone at 72 Ridgewood Place. I don't have the faintest idea. You are not aware of your own possessions. Madame, I own, among other things, a company that buys and sells buildings. I have no idea where those buildings are. You are unaware that this building is six stories high? That the roof leaks? The hallways are not cleaned? There is never hot water? I don't wish to sound harsh, madame, but I make no profits from these buildings. I'm stuck with them. And if you don't like it, you can move. I have no wish to move. Then what? I like the building. It's decrepit. Almost deserted. It's just the type of place I require. For what? For my business. What business are you in? I... I am a sister to all mankind. What does that mean? It means whatever you like. You still haven't told me what I... I have been asked to leave your building. You have in your employ a person named Swenson. I don't know. Perhaps the name is Jensen, a woman. She said I must go. I refused. Just a minute. Miss Haskins? Yes, sir? A woman named uh, Jensen or Swenson. Who is she? I don't know, Mr. Doris. Well, find out and call me back. Now, what is this about you being a sister to all mankind? Why does this confuse you? It wouldn't confuse me if you told me what it means. Are you a brother to all mankind, Mr. Jolly? In the sense that that all men are brothers? I suppose you could say that. Do you feel this brotherhood? Feel it? Well, do you think about it? No. Madam, I'm a very busy man, so if... Busy doing what, may I ask? Look here. Yes? Holding Corporation. Thank you, Miss Haskins. Miss Benson. Oh, yes, yes. Why did she want to evict you? What? Have you put out of the building? Well, why don't you ask her? Miss Haskins, get me Ingrid Benson. She will not be at her office. Where is she? In the hospital. Never mind. The hospital? Yes. Nothing serious. A sprained ankle, I believe. I warned her she would be punished. But I didn't think it necessary to be too severe. What did you do? What did she do? I noticed you never ask one question at a time. What did I do? I caused her to relax her vigilance while driving her car. A very minor accident. What did she do? She ordered me to leave your building. Somebody's got to tell me why. As I read her mind, she considers me... What is the word? An un savory person. I still don't know what all this means. How do you make a living? I am sustained by the gratitude of my brothers and sisters. What does that mean? Why do you seem to have such difficulty in understanding? I don't believe it. Here I am in the middle of a busy day with a million problems and this weird, absolutely crazy... I mean... Do you know what I did? I went to the hospital. I actually took a cab to the hospital. And I walked into Miss Jensen or Benson or whatever her name is room. And I got the shock of my life. The woman was terrified. I, I, I don't want to talk about her. Miss Benson, I'm Elwood George. Oh, go away, please. I own City Holdings. I don't care. You have to talk to me. I quit. I know. You're not feeling well. But we have to get to the bottom of it. She's a witch. 
Come now, Miss uh, uh, Benson. Yes. Yes, Mr. Witch. I should have believed her. Believe what? I won't say another word about that woman. She is a woman. Look at me. I never in my life had an accident. Yes? I wasn't careless. The wheel of my car refused to obey me. If you say so, Miss Benson. You don't believe a word I'm saying. The wheel refused to obey me. I turned and turned, but the car insisted on going off the road and smashing into the tree. Yes? I don't lie, Mrs. Jordan. She said she'd have me punished. She did it. Oh, I will not find the eviction notice. You'll have to fire me. Just tell me why. Why evict her? It's all we can do to get tenants for the building as it is. Because Tom Turner asked me to. Tom Turner? From the Department of Buildings and Structures. Why is she undesirable? What is she doing in the building? Tom Turner said she's running a... She's running a confidence racket and some kind of bunco game. What kind? Mr. Joris. I can't run your buildings unless I play ball. Unless I cooperate with the city government. Miss Benson, you shouldn't get excited. Oh, it's all very well for you to say don't get excited. You were almost killed. You were injured, of course, in the line of duty. And the company will pay for it. The company will pay for my pain. For my nerves. You should be calm. Controlled. You could not anybody. Yes, yes, Miss Benson. Look at me now. I'm arrested. Seeing her eyes, her cold black eyes, turning to fire, and I hear her voice. I will punish you for the pain you have given me for the insult. I ask only to be your sister. If you drive me away, I shall punish you. I had to get out of there before I would go insane myself. What kind of a game am I being suckered into? time for this kind of nonsense. And yet, would you believe it? I had every intention of telling the cab driver to take me back to my office, but the words that came out of my mouth were, City Department of Buildings and Structures. Uh, yes, Mr. Joris, how can I help you? Mr. Turner, the premise is at 72 Ridgewood Place. Yes, sir. Oh, ah. excuse me. Ah, nothing. <laughs> Got a funny twinge in my arm. Uh, let me see. 72 Ridgewood Place, yes. Yeah, that address sounds familiar. You asked Miss Benson, who works for me, to institute eviction proceedings against the, a Madame Solanus? I did? Well, yeah, if she said so, I guess I did. May I ask why? Why? Ow! Is there uh, something the Madame's to turn? Ow, that's my arm. I, <laughs> I can't understand it. My, my arm is burning up. Oh, perhaps I'd better come back another time. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I remember. Uh, the DA's office asked me to get that dame out of there. Did they say why? Mm. Mr. Turner, you seem to be in pain. Huh? Why? Oh, well, they said something about Bunko, Flim Flam, who knows. It could also be she's not paying off the right people. <laughs> oh, oh, my arm. Uh, maybe you better get some attention. Well, I can't understand why. I mean, I didn't hurt it or ever have any trouble, but... Dame. Dame? Oh, this is crazy. I, I I was crossing the street coming back from lunch, and, and, and this dame in a crazy colored dress with long black hair, she says to me, are you Tom Turner? And I says, who wants to know? And she says, well, if you are Tom Turner, your right arm shall wither and... Ow! Wait. Look out that window. Huh? Standing there, near the fire alarm box, that woman. 
Is she? Yeah. That's her. That's the one. Oh, my arm is killing me. Why is my right arm killing me? Of course. It was Madame Solanus. And she was looking up at the window. Her eye caught mine and she winked. I ran downstairs. What's happening here? What did you do to him? What did you say to him? The last question first. What did I say to him? I said, your right arm shall wither. Why? Why did you say that? Because he has forgotten Jerusalem. What kind of nonsense? You presume, and with great danger to call the immortal book nonsense. Is it not written, if I forget the old Jerusalem, may my right arm wither? Get to the point. This is the point. What is Jerusalem? A city in Palestine, Israel. What are you? Jerusalem is more than a city. Jerusalem is humanity. Jerusalem is the spirit of justice. All right, but... He has forgotten Jerusalem. But still, and all... Your second question. What did I do to him? I did nothing. I am but an instrument through which a certain will is expressed. Madame Solanus, what do you want? I want Jerusalem and the right to help others find it. Why must I be turned out of my home as if I were a common criminal? I can't go against the city government. Are you afraid? It isn't that. Yes. Yes, you are frightened. Fear is written on your face. Fear. Doubt. And death. I see it. Now, Madame Salamis, whoever you are, whatever your game is... Why are you frightened? There is nothing I can do for you. You are terrified. What are you trying to do? Hypnotize me? Tell me. It won't work. Tell me. It won't work. Oh, you'll tell me. Tell you what? Everything. Everything that is tearing at your heart. Everything that is destroying your soul. I cannot prevent the city from putting you out on the street. We are above the city, you and I. We are two people who have a rendezvous in Jerusalem. You will tell me what is the sickness that is killing you slowly each day. No. No, do not turn away your face. Tell me. Look. Why don't I give you some money? Money. So you can relocate yourself in another and even better place. Tell me. What is the serpent that gnaws at your vitals? We shall slay him together. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you, she urges him. However, on the basis of the few facts we have so far... Madame Salanus is anything but a helpful lady. She has driven one woman into hysterics, another into the hospital, and has given a man an armful of fire. Well, there are two sides to every story and every person. For another aspect of Madame Salanus, I shall reconvene this group in just a few moments with Act Three. Why? How? Who can say? But suddenly, like a thunderbolt, all the pent-up feelings, all the repressed emotions break loose. People whose great pride is in their stalwart self-control will, without warning, pour out their life story, reveal their innermost secrets to a complete strength. Look, if we really knew what makes people tick, we wouldn't have to do this for a living, would we? Anyhow, Mr. Elwood Joris is standing on a street corner talking to a lady with coal black eyes and raven black hair. 
Am I losing control? Am I being hypnotized? Nonsense. I have too much willpower. It can't be that. Yet, somehow this lady, this Madame Solanus can help me. No, not help. The word is saved. She can save me. Before I know what we're doing, a taxi has pulled over to the curb. And I hear her say, 72 Ridgewood Place. I'm like a man in a dream. I'm suddenly in a room. An ordinary room. With just a table and some chairs. It is never too late to be saved. It is for me. No. You wish to be saved. Saved from what? Loneliness. But you see, I have to be lonely. Why? Because my life has been thrown away. Yes. But it can be found again. Where? How? The answer is always to be found in Jerusalem. I have been to Jerusalem. I found no answers. I showed some filters, but I found no answers. You still do not accept Jerusalem. It is not a place on a map. It exists in the heart, the soul. Accept it. Tell me how. How will it help me? First, you shall tell me. Why do you say your life has been thrown away? Because I see it so well. What I am now is what I have created over the past 50 years. It's too late for me. No. Let me show you. Look into my eyes. Deep into my eyes. Tell me what it is that you want. I want. I want to be born again. A man may be born again. What you ask for is not unreasonable. In that case, I'll make it easy. Just let me be about 25. Starting out all over again. Let me see my life in another direction. The direction toward Jerusalem. Call it whatever you want. Let me have time for people. Friends. Let me find a girl while both of us are still young. Yes. You can become young again. Oh, no. Too much time has gone by. Why do you fight me? Look into my eyes. Believe me. Believe. It only remains for us to find you a young body. You're serious, aren't you? Yes. But but what kind of surgery must be involved? None at all. The essence that is you goes into another body. And the essence that was that other person goes into yours, the brain. Listen. Listen to this music. Do you hear it? Yes. What is music? Is music the song? The instrument? Or the player? It's... It's the brain. Your brain, which brings all three together. Nothing in the world like your brain. No other brain exactly like it. And when we can persuade another brain to think your way, to talk your way, then you become that person. But let us find him. Let us find a young man of, say, 25, who is willing to change with you. Change with me? Become who and what I am? I believe this is what we are talking about. That's impossible. Why should someone 25 want to 
become a man of 55. Why would he want to trade his young body for mine? Because he has no use for it. How could he not have use for a young, strong, vigorous body? Did you have any use for yours? We will find someone. Find someone? Someone who is the way you used to be. Someone whose only desire is to amass a fortune. Who's willing to spend 25 years to do it, just as you were. But why should he struggle for 25 years? Let him have it now. Let him be 25 years older now. But how? How can such a person be found? myself completely in the hands of Madame Solanus, and we advertise for ambitious, conscientious young men willing to make sacrifices and work hard, but for great and guaranteed rewards. My office was swamped with applicants, but no one seemed quite right. Some were ambitious enough, but not young enough. Others were young enough, but we were getting nowhere till one morning, a tall, dark-haired, Dark-eyed, serious-looking young man appeared. He looked very much the way I did at that age. And suddenly, I felt, this is the one. The questions were routine. I knew we had struck pure gold. According to your application, Mr. Jones, you hold two jobs? Uh, yes, sir. I uh, work for a brokerage firm from 9 to 4, and I work in the accounting department of a bank from 5 p.m. to midnight. May I ask why you work such long hours? I want the money, sir. Man is nothing in this world without money. You're not married, I see. No, sir. Are you engaged? No. I See, I, I really don't have time for frivolous activities. What do you do for recreation? Recreation? Do you ever relax? Oh, of course. I get to bed by 12.30, so I'm sure of seven hours sleep. I have a sensible diet. Keep myself in good shape because I need my strength for my work. And don't you have friends with whom you... Oh, I have no time for that. What do you see for yourself 25 years from now? I see myself as a man like you. Sitting behind a desk like yours. Worth millions. The distance between you and me right now is some five feet of space. Do you know how much effort... How many long, hard years must be devoted to traveling that distance? Yes, sir. Suppose, by miracle, those 25 years of struggle will pass before you knew it. Suppose you were to wake up suddenly and be rich and powerful. Would you want to be 57 years old right now? I'm not sure I understand. To be wealthy and powerful. This is your dream? Would you like to wake up one morning and have it all now? Yes. Would you like to be me? Why? Well, I would like to be like you, sir. That's not what I asked. I asked, would you like to be me? Not in 25 years, but now. He stared at me. Then at the office, at the furniture... But I knew what was in his mind. This, all this wealth, all this power, suddenly his. Mr. Juris, I know you are not a frivolous person. You make an offer, and I must assume it's in good faith. Provided, of course, that such a deal can be consummated, I accept. But how could it be arranged? 
I don't know how it was done. We just sat there. The three of us. Madame Solanus, Mr. Jones, and I. She stared at each of us in turn. After a while, I grew nervous. Then angry. And suddenly I felt stabbing shocks in my brain. And then, there was nothing. I had fallen asleep or fainted. When I recovered my senses, I was in Madame's room. Look at yourself. Here, let me hold a mirror to your face. Look. It isn't me. No. Who is it, then? It's that Mr. Jones. No, it's you. It can't be. Why do I feel so, so... Yes, you feel strange. Your blood pumps faster. Your heart beats faster. Your lungs breathe deeper. This is youth, my friend. The youth you want. The strength you need to travel to Jerusalem. I feel 25 years younger. What happened? You became Mr. Jones. What am I doing here? I should be at the office. Which office? The... Think. The broker's office. I'll get ducked. Quit. 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 And search for Jerusalem. I remember now. I left the office for lunch. And who are you? Find yourself a nice, honest, sincere girl. Who has time for girls? What am I doing here? Elwood, we made this change so that you... Who's Elwood? Who are you? I hope to be a friend in need. No. You're the devil. I could also be an angel. It doesn't matter. How did I get here? What is your brain telling you? My brain? Your brain. What are the messages in your brain? Need the money. Money. Miss Drake. Pretty. Flighty. Can't go bowling. Cost five dollars. Miss Drake. Distraction. Gordon's job. Next in life a job. Make a million before I'm 30. Make a million. Make a million. Make a million. Well? Well, what? I thought you were going to change me. I did change you. But those voices, those voices in my head, those are the same voices I always heard. All you did was put me back 25 years. Oh. Oh, really? I'm still the same person I was. I'm headed in the same direction. I'll go through the same frantic, miserable struggle. For what? To end up just where I was? You can change directions. Head for Jerusalem. Oh, give me that nonsense. I'm a practical man of business. I'm wasting my time here. Elwood, Jerusalem. Go toward I Jerusalem. Can't. I can't change. The voices. The voices in my head. I still hear the same voices. The same voices. The voices. The voices in the brain, our own very private voices, are they never to be denied? Can we change? And if we could, truthfully, wouldn't we do it the same way all over again? After all, we do agree that history repeats itself. I shall be back shortly. Elwood Joris got his wish. He said, I have wasted my life and destroyed my opportunities for love, for friendship, for true happiness. If I only could live those crucial formative years again. 
if only. What about young Mr. Jones, who became middle-aged Mr. Joris? Was he happy with the transformation? Ah, that's another story. And you only get one each time. Our cast included Vincent Gardenia, Joan Shea, E.V. Jester, and William Redfield. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. A preview of our next tale. Didn't you say the banquet started at 7.30? Yeah, I thought I'd drive over and pick Emery up. I don't really trust him to attend a banquet, even in his honor, unless somebody sees to it personally that he gets there. Not a bad idea. Oliver, do you know a Nicky Bell? Hmm? Nicky Bell? No, never heard of him. It's not a him, it's a her. Daisy says there's something going on between her and Emery. Emery Peterson? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Emery Peterson's the straightest husband I ever knew. Well, you know, present company accepted. Well, it's not that kind of a thing. At least Daisy says it isn't. She's not sure Emery isn't being blackmailed. Well, that's almost as silly as the other. Emery never did anything he could be blackmailed for. I'd stake my life on that. Well, something strange is going on. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Because plastics can be so much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today.